Gone, a podcast about people who have gone missing from the upper Midwest of the United States and Ontario. These people didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. This is Katie Nordby. And this is Janelle Feller. These stories are about Amber Lynn Wilda and Christy Joe Nichols. Christy Joel Nichols lived in the town of Gothenburg, Nebraska. At the age of 19, she married Mark Nichols, and soon after, they had two children. Gothenburg is located in the heart of Nebraska's farm belt. The population is about 3,500. It's said that there is a strong sense of community, and when neighbors are in trouble, it becomes everyone's business. Much of the information that I found for this story comes from an Unsolved Mysteries episode that aired in November of 1988. Christy, Joe, and Mark were having marital problems in 1987. Mark was allegedly monitoring her phone calls, and according to those who spoke with Christy, Mark was also physically abusive. On December 11, 1987, Mark woke up, and Christy was nowhere to be found. Ten days before Christy went missing, she went to the local hospital after being injured in a fight with Mark. The doctor that treated Christy had seen her several times before. She had hurt her thumb and was acting scared. The doctor felt that Christy wasn't telling her the whole story. Mark, of course, says that he was not abusive and anything else is just rumors. Christy had gone to see an abuse counselor and that angered Mark, but Christy continued to go. It seems Christy was ready or at least thinking about leaving Mark. Two days before she disappeared, Christy met with a divorce attorney. The attorney said that Christy was extremely stressed and appeared to have been beaten. She told him that she wanted a divorce and custody of her children. The attorney advised her not to return to the house that they shared, but she refused and she went home. Survivors of domestic violence know that once the abuser figures out that something is up or that they are losing control over their victims, the abuse is likely to get much worse. So by going home and pretending that things were normal, she may have been protecting herself from being hurt. She may have thought she was protecting herself from being hurt. At the time, right. yeah. Right. This scenario makes it difficult for people on the outside looking in because to someone who is not in that situation, It only seems logical to get out, but domestic abuse isn't logical. Victim behavior makes no sense to people who are not in it. Victims know their abusers better than anyone. They know what their abusers are capable of. It takes a great amount of emotional strength and perseverance for victims to finally be ready and able to leave. Adding in children to the mix only complicates that ability or want to leave. A lot of times um, people that, that leave a domestic abuse situation end up homeless. I mean, if you or sp- murdered. Well, or if you split your income. I mean, I think I think that the idea that you should leave if you're in a in a situation in which you're being beaten up, right. um, that you should leave. But it puts people at risk of being homeless. Right. And you're not going to do that to your children unless you have no other option. Right. I mean, if 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 I were to split my income in half, it would it would certainly change things for me. And yeah. And. Um, it certainly would for, in this case, with this young Well, and couple. I think as a mother, you start to rethink, like, okay, my children need medicine. My children need food. My, my children, children need school. medical children, care. Mm-hmm. He provides all these things for us. Mm-hmm. And if we leave, I'm, I can't take care of my children. And leaving is also the most dangerous time, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it can be very dangerous for somebody to leave an abusive relationship. So Christy had a second appointment set up to meet with the attorney, but she disappeared before they could before she could meet with him again. The day after she met with the attorney, her and Mark went Christmas shopping with their infant daughter and son. They took them to see Santa and ate at Pizza Hut. When they returned home, they hired a babysitter and went to play pool at the bar Christy worked at part-time. The babysitter later said that she was surprised that they were going out together because she knew that they weren't getting along. According to Mark, they had a good time at the bar. They stopped at a convenience store after they left and arrived, arrived home between 12.30 and 1 a.m. I found nothing in the articles that I read that witnesses corroborated seeing Christy either at the bar or at the convenience store. That obviously doesn't mean that no one saw them, just that I couldn't find any articles that said that, which I thought was kind of strange that somebody didn't. Somebody, there was lot, there would have been lots of people at, at the, the bar. At well, and, and people at the bar knew her. They were, she wasn't just a random person. Right. She worked there. So I don't know. That just seemed odd to me. Um, the babysitter was doing her homework in front of the TV and didn't remember seeing Christy walk by the living room to get to the bedroom. She also didn't hear her footsteps. Christy was the one that would always pay her with a check, but on this night, Mark was the one to pay her, and he gave her cash. Mark said that Christy immediately went to her bedroom. They apparently argued until 2 a.m. and then went to sleep. Around 7 a.m. the next morning, Mark woke up and realized Christy wasn't there. At 9.30, Christy's mother called, and Mark lied to her by saying that Christy was still sleeping in bed. He apparently said this so that she wouldn't worry. Mark said he searched the house and noticed a suitcase and some of her belongings were gone. At 11.30, he took the children over to Christy's grandmother's house so he could go out and look for her. He also didn't mention it to the grandmother that Christy was missing. He spent the next two hours driving around town looking for her. At 1.30 p.m., Mark filed a missing persons report. Officer Terry Ahrens of the Nebraska State Patrol said, we, when we checked Mark's story about driving around looking for Christy, we couldn't find anybody in the city of Gothenburg that had seen him driving around. Mark told investigators that a suitcase and her purse were gone from the house when he woke up and discovered Christy gone. Somehow, Mark was able to describe what was in the suitcase. Jeans, a sweatshirt, a bra, and a jacket. Her purse held a hairbrush, a pen, a lighter, a matchbook, lipstick, Neutrogena cream, a nail file, a mirror, and a piece of gum. Was this his controlling behavior by knowing what was in the purse? I can't even tell you what was in my own purse. It's just, I, and I put stuff in my purse. I don't even know what's in it. <laughs> I, I can just tell you, I've been married for, I've been married for 22 years. And uh, David doesn't have any idea what is in my purse. He would be afraid to go in my purse for fear of what he would find. Uh, <laughs> unchewed gum or I don't know what he might have found. But, but he, he couldn't tell you. Yeah. And we've been married, we've been together for 27 years uh, that I've carried a purse and he would have no idea, much yeah. less what kind of cr hand cream I had or if I had or didn't have a piece of gum. Right. It, it was Neutrogena cream. It wasn't just lotion. Yeah. It was Neutrogena cream. And yeah, there would be no way that he could describe that. Yeah. None. It's just, it seems very strange. Um, as far as the suitcase, it sounds like she was planning on leaving Mark. So was this packed beforehand and he found it? So he knew what was in it. It seems strange that he named these items in such a detailed way. And she wouldn't have, um, and she wouldn't have left about the kids. Right. That's, she said that she wanted custody of the kids. Right. Yeah. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. So after he reported her missing, um, the next day he moved out of the house. 
A few weeks later, he boxed up all of her clothes and sold both of their vehicles. That's very suspicious. That is very, very suspicious. suspicious. Why? Where are you going? And if you were if you were mourning the loss of your that your wife had left, and the mother of your children, and the mother of your children, you would have stayed. I would have stayed in the same place. Right to have that that connection, so that she could find us again. Right. It's very strange. Three months later, in March 1988, the suitcase and purse were found at a rest stop area near Maxwell, Nebraska, about 30 minutes away from Gothenburg. Officer Terry Ahrens found it surprising that the contents of the suitcase matched exactly to the list that Mark had given them. He told Unsolved Mysteries, It appeared to everybody present the suitcase had been placed there instead of just thrown out. The items were neatly lying around. It was like the person who put them there wanted them to be found. If my wife had left me, I wouldn't be able to look through the closet and tell what she had taken. I probably would be able to tell, maybe, what suitcase she had taken. But he, Mark, had listed the items of clothing right down the line that he knew what she had taken. The area was searched along with the area around Gothenburg, but nothing was found. Mark took a polygraph test in 1987, but the results were inconclusive. After Christy went missing, a note she wrote to another man was found in one of the family vehicles. In the note, Christy wrote that she would be leaving after Christmas, but promised to contact him within a few months. This man was ruled out as a suspect in her disappearance. Trace amounts of Christy's blood were found on the floor of her bedroom and in the trunk of Mark's 1977 Mercury Cougar. Authorities said that there wasn't enough blood to indicate Christy was dead. Mark told them it was her menstrual blood, but the analysis proved that that was not true. Are you kidding me? The So her blood, it was her blood right. that was found yes. in his trunk, and he basically admits to that saying it was menstrual blood like that would somehow be better or different well but that would somehow be plausible uh, I can how how, I how would there be menstrual blood in somebody's trunk uh, and why i there's there's no blood in my trunk i know that well and i mean i can see maybe if you you know cut your finger out working or you're putting something in the trunk and you got a paper cut or but well I, yeah it just doesn't but to because he's 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 suggesting that no it's not not blood from any place else but it's menstrual blood which would even be worse well, I mean, which is harder, even stranger which is even stranger than yeah I I just don't I don't understand it 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 seems very everything he does is very suspicious it and, is um yeah and disconcerting yeah so in 1990 Mark filed for divorce from Christie on the grounds of desertion. He says she left on her own and abandoned him and their children. Christie's mother told Unsolved Mysteries that Christie's children were her main focus in life. She was proud of her children and wouldn't have left them. Authorities believe she was seeing that other man at the time of her disappearance. Christie's case was first handled as a missing person case, but as time progressed, it evolved into suspicion of murder. Her case is now classified as homicide. Townspeople speculated that her body was buried in the local rail yard overpass or entombed in some other construction project or rural area. Mark is the only suspect. He has denied any wrongdoing. He now lives in Arkansas with his third wife. Aside from what was found in the suitcase, Christy didn't take any belongings, including her diamond jewelry and driver's license, and she never picked up her last paycheck at the bar that she worked at. 
Christy is described as quiet and being very shy. She is 5'9", 120 pounds. She has brown hair and green eyes. She was last seen on December 11th, 1987. Her case is still open. If you have any information about Christy's disappearance, please call the Nebraska Missing Persons Information Clearinghouse at 1-877-441-5678 or the North Platte State Patrol Office at 308-535-8047. She was tall but very thin. Yeah, she was she was a small a smaller person. Yeah. And she's 5'9", 120 pounds. Yeah. Um, and she was uh, what, 19 years old at the time? Right. Um, Roughly. Yeah. In her early 20s at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, right. Because she had those, the two kids, the, yeah. the, the, the infant daughter and the son. Um, and all these years later, there's, there's not been anything else turned up? Nothing. These kids would be adults now. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be... 30. Late 20s, 30. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and someone has gotten away with this murder. His behavior is just so... Egregious. Concerning. Yep. It is. And, but there's just, you know, without, without a body, it is hard to prove what happened. Yeah. Well, and, and they found her blood, but she lived in the home, so right. that wouldn't be uncommon. Right. Um, as far as blood in the car, that's who knows, but it, it's not uncommon. It was her, her stuff. Right. And it, it wasn't enough blood to where they could say, well, you know, this was a she lot was of blood. Injured. There right. was some sort of injury here. Right. So, yeah. And the children were too small. Yeah. They couldn't have indicated anything. Um, but there's also nobody saying that, yeah, we saw Christy at the bar that she worked at. On her night off with her husband. Yeah. And also the babysitter didn't see her either. Mm-hmm. Um, none of those things are enough to bring charges against somebody. I guess not. And uh, he could have found out that she was leaving by finding that note earlier. Yeah, and that's that was kind of... When I, when I read that they found this note in the family vehicle, that was kind of the first thing I thought of was, you know, this note was found and there was... And you know, something, something came from that, right. from that note. Right. Um, I heard it said, and I don't remember where it was from. It was, it was from an attorney who said um, that if a woman goes to the, uh, to files for divorce, it's a done deal. It's, it's pretty much over. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if they're just by the time they move to make that, that, that step, that. Even to just go talk to an attorney. Yep, that yeah. they're done. Yep. It's, it's that the, the marriage is over. Yeah. And I found that very interesting, but I, it, it probably, it, it could very well be true. Yeah. That she was well, done. Right. And it, they hadn't been married very long. No. But she was done and she was leaving. Yeah. And he couldn't stop her. No. And now she's missing for 30 years. And... Someone got away with it. Yeah. That's what's so aggravating. Yep. Well, and that he made it, that he made it seem like she left. Yeah, she abandoned She left them. her children and she left she deserted us. deserted them. That's what's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so unfair. Yeah. But you'll have, you'll have pictures of her 
Yes. And um, on the website, right? Yep. And um, of Mark, too, if I can find one. Sure. Because, yeah, the town was small. It was very small. 3,500 people, but... And from what I read, it sounds like a lot of people had this inclination that there was some sort of domestic violence going on. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it didn't sound like that was a secret, necessarily, that something was up. The doctor had seen it several times. Yep. She'd been to an abuse counselor. She had been to an attorney. Yeah. And even if it wasn't in the same community, um, there's enough different people saying the same stuff to say that that's probably what's yep. going on. Yeah. Even if she didn't, she didn't tell the doctor that or um, that she was being abused or her lawyer. Yeah. Uh, but that that was that was kind of what was happening. Yep. It's such a waste and such a shame. It is. Amber Lynn Wilda was a new pre-med student at the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay in September 1998. She was planning on becoming a pediatrician and had a full scholarship. She had just completed her associate's degree through an accelerated program at a community college. On September 23rd, she had a minor car accident in which she hit her head on the windshield. She complained of having a headache afterward. That night, the other party in the accident called Amber's apartment about working out the damages from the accident. The school medical staff told Amber that she probably had a concussion and to have someone check on her in person or by phone. Amber's dad, Steve, called her the next day to make sure that she was awake for her 1 p.m. class, but there was no answer. She had also missed an eye appointment, which wasn't like her. That day, Steve drove to Green Bay and found her apartment locked. He then reported her missing. On October 1st, Amber's vehicle was found near Lambeau Field Stadium. It was in the parking lot of 50-yard line sports bar and Roadstar Inn parking lot off of Lombardi Access Road. Witnesses had seen the car in the lot since since September 28th. Amber's phone and purse were locked in the trunk and her keys were in the ignition of the unlocked vehicle. Steve noticed some things about the car that had him very concerned. He noticed that the driver's seat was pushed all the way back. Amber had very short legs. She had had her car serviced just days earlier, and now there were 900 unexplained miles on the odometer. The search went from being concerned about Amber, that Amber was missing, to treating the case as a homicide. Amber told the detectives her story through the pages of her diary. In her diary, she wrote, I'm pregnant. It was accidental, and she planned on keeping the baby. Her family was supportive, except the person that Amber identified as the father. Matthew Schneider. Matt was a burly six foot five construction worker worker that she had met at a party. They had been dating about four months when Amber found herself with child. Matt was not happy about the pregnancy because he already had a fiance and a wedding date set for about the same time the baby was expected to be born. Amber told her aunt Lori Einhardt that Matt wanted her to get rid of the baby. Amber wrote in her diary that she wanted Matt to tell his fiance about the baby. When he refused, she talked to his fiance face to face. Amber told her that she was pregnant and wrote a letter to Matt's mother. According to Amber's diary, Matt was livid. After Amber went missing, the police spoke to Matt and his fiance. Matt said that they barely knew each other and never had sex. The fiance reported that Amber had a fatal attraction to Matt. In Amber's diary, she spoke frankly about her relationship with Matt. She goes so far as to mention sexual positions. The phone records show that there are at least 60 messages back and forth between Matt and Amber. 
When Amber went missing, State Highway 29 was under construction. This highway runs through the heart of Green Bay. Police have conducted several digs along the highway searching for Amber. They have also searched the Schneider farm. Matthew Schneider doesn't have an alibi for his whereabouts on September 23, 1998. He refuses to take a polygraph test and he refuses to talk to the police. Amber Lynn Wilda would be 38 years old today. She is Caucasian, 5 foot 5 and weighed 135 pounds. She had straight brown hair that was past her shoulders. She has brown eyes. Amber was six months pregnant at the time of her disappearance. She drove a 1988 silver GL four-door Subaru. Her vehicle had a brown monkey hanging from the rearview mirror, stuffed animals in the back rear window, and a University of Wisconsin decal in the back window. If you have any information about Amber Lynn Wilda, contact David Graff at 920-448-3257 or Detective Lee Kingston at 920-448-3222. So interesting is that I also was planning on doing this story. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, that's great. Katie, what did for you For next out? week. For next week. Um, this was going to be my story. Um, maybe <laughs> we should, we, talk, maybe about we should talk about it. A little bit more yeah. often, yes. Well. Um, but I thought that it was interesting that, um, so he, so this Matt Schneider was a construction worker working on that Highway 29 road construction at the time of Amber's disappearance. Really? really? And they had suspicions that her body was buried um, somewhere yep. along that road construction. Yep, they had done a couple of searches. There. Yeah, and uh, there would be lots of places. I mean, uh, the, apparently, you know that the the whole road was torn up right um, through the center of town, and yeah. um, there's lots of places to hide. Yeah, there's a lot of cement, a lot of dirt, um, and uh, yeah, and she was a tiny person. Well, and he was six five. Yeah. And her car seat was pushed all the way back. And she was five foot five. And those 900 miles where... Why? It wasn't... That wasn't the distance between where he was working and where Green Bay was. That wasn't... that. It was a short distance. I think so. So where did those 900 miles come from? And it sounded like she had a pretty close relationship with her with her dad. Yeah. Um, she would have told him. Yeah. She would have said something if she was traveling any distance or... Yeah. And it was a, a 900 miles in a very short amount of time. Right. Yeah, it was like a week. If. if yeah. If. And um, she, uh, yeah, he said he didn't know her. He said, you know, he, he certainly never had sex with her. Uh, but at the time of her disappearance, she was six months pregnant. Yeah. She had told his parents. She had told his fiance. She had told her family. And I suppose at six months, you'd be showing. Right. Uh, so one of the articles that I read about this case was she had told him, when she told him that she was pregnant, he told her that she, she needed to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and, and she recorded that in her diary. Yeah. And that if she didn't get rid of it, he was going to kill himself. And if she kept the child, he was going to make sure that she never saw that baby again. Yeah. You know, the um, the truth is, is that pregnancy puts women at risk yeah. for domestic abuse. 
um, the, the World Health Organization did a study of 15 different countries, and they found the prevalence of domestic abuse against pregnant women was at like 28%, wow. or about a third of the population. And um, domestic abuse during pregnancy is the second leading cause of death for women behind uh, automobile accidents. Wow. And, and I mean, it's a high risk factor. Yeah. Well, and especially if it's air quotes unwanted. Right. Right. Yeah. It was a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a planned pregnancy. It it was out of, it was on this other kind of secret relationship. Um, it was on the side. Yeah. And this, this world health organization study, um, what they found was, is that, uh, in the cases of, um, a woman being killed while pregnant, um, a woman being killed by, um, a woman being killed while pregnant, uh, 90% of the time it was the biological father of the unborn child. It's upsetting. So it's, um, but it's, it's not like it's, uh, it's, that's how that's, it's, it's actually very common. Yeah. And, um, that, um, an unwanted pregnancy, um, can cause violence Yeah, in a relationship. Yeah. And, um, she was a, she was a young woman just starting medical school. It probably wasn't, it wasn't her idea to, you know, it, being a pre-med student would be difficult enough. Absolutely. Much less with a newborn child. I mean, yeah. this wasn't, this is, you know, this wasn't part of her plan, but this is how things turned out. Yeah. And, um, and, and now she's gone. Yeah. Um, there was an article that I read from 2016 that actually had court documents um, along with it. And in those court documents, the detective, uh, David Graff, had filed a subpoena to get Matt Schneider's phone records, um, basically to corroborate um, him having conversations, text messages and conversations with people about Amber, about what happened. Um, this is this is before she went missing or after she after went she went missing, okay. um, because in 1998, I don't believe you could send text messages. Um, so I don't think that it was necessarily phone records to show that he had was talking to Amber. Um, it was phone records to show that he was talking to people that he claimed he didn't know very well um, when when detectives initially spoke to him about Amber's disappearance oh. um, and about possible text messages talking about. Um, what may have happened to Amber after she went missing. Um, he has finally been named a suspect in her case. As of, t- as as of, of 2016? Yeah, 2015, 2016. Wow. Yeah, so, and I couldn't find anything else since then, so it doesn't sound like anything necessarily has happened since then that is in the news anyway. Um, That's amazing. That yeah. That is a sign of somebody, of a police officer who has not forgotten Amber Wilda. Right. Because that's just dogged determination. Yeah. They haven't found a body. No. That nothing has changed. He's just, he just, he tried, he was proving a connection between, a uh, communication connection between people who. Um, yeah. And I think, I think part of it too was that the people that he spoke to, their stories didn't necessarily add up with what 
the uh, another person said. Right. Um, and so by having those conversations or those text messages, um, he was trying to prove that there was some sort of criminal act that happened. That there was, yeah, that, it was a trail. There was, yeah, trail there was something that happened. Right. And they were a part of it. Right. It sounded like. Cover up. Yeah. Something. Wow. That's amazing because that would have been, you know, that was the, the she went missing in 1998. Yeah. And um, it's just a testimony to, to dogged police work. Well, and technology. What yeah. we can do nowadays to find out things. I what mean, people are seeing. crimes and all of that, everything. Well, you can't, you can't prove what conversations were had, just that there was a phone call made. Text messages. They you would can, be able to find the text messages. You can, you can read. Yes. All the text messages. I mean, that. I mean, you can read. I mean, th- that's that's. That's kept that information. Well, kept. as far as I know, it's all it's all there. When you when you look back, <laughs> everything that that's what everything I, that you do on your on your electronic devices, on your phones, on your computers, on your tablets, even if you delete it, it's still there. It can still be found. The technology is out there to be able to find those conversations. Really? Yes. I mean, I've never had any conversations that were worth keeping. Um, you know, it's about recipes or, you know, boring stuff. But I didn't I didn't realize that you could they were that all that information was available that you could just I mean, in essence, with permission and leak. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not that easy to find. You can you yeah. could just you could just print out all the texts that I have ever written, like to you, for example. Yeah. Um, I, I never I never thought of it. Yeah. But um, interesting. Yeah, so it sounds like hopefully soon there will be some sort of justice for for Amber Wilda, hmm. well, and her baby. Yeah, it's um, yeah, she would be she would be almost forty, and um, you know, well on her way to being a doctor. Right. Maybe already a doctor. Yeah. I guess I can't, you know, math. <laughs> um, but she would have been done with her schooling. She would have been uh, changing the world. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's interesting that we both chose the same same person, and I'm glad we did because I didn't see the article in which he was he was Matthew Schneider was was a suspect declared a suspect in the murder of Amber Lynn Wilda. Yes, and that that's that's something. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing persons photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. Mm-hmm.